an unstable volcanic field, caverns harvesting ancient creatures, and the ties to some of the greatest American monster films of all. Stir those original ingredients, and you get a film in the kaiju canon that may or may not be worthy of your time. This is Kaiju versus History, The Black Scorpion. Everyone and welcome back to Kaiju versus History. This is Patrick, and joining me is my co-host and Kaiju aficionado Miles. You've already heard. Hey, Miles. Hello, hello, hello. Oh boy. So a little bit behind the scenes, maybe before we get into this episode of our methodology of picking movies for the list, because you might have already noticed we're only in the fifties, and some movies that might be considered Kaiju films have not been included. And some that probably aren't very Kaiju-esque have been included, if that makes sense. We go through and we have like a, a couple of characters we talked about early on in like episode two, I think, one or two, where, you know, like what is a Kaiju movie? What is going to be c- canon to our podcast and the history? And originally I didn't have Black Scorpion on the list. Yeah, I was to, promised I wouldn't watch. have to watch this movie, and I am <laughs> I am upset. <laughs> well, so I mean, for example, you know, we've already been through a whole host of giant bug movie. About half the films in the fifties have been giant bug. Do that, ants, a tarantula, mantis, grasshoppers. This is our fifth new bug. This is a scorpion. <laughs> I was getting a little sick of these films, and I. Hadn't seen the Black Scorpion before. I mean, neither had you, correct? No, uh, I had. I had not. Yeah, going back, I I kind of wish <laughs> we had almost left Tarantula off because I I can't keep talking about how I actually didn't enjoy that one as much. But it is kind of a kaiju movie, beginning to the end. Not really. It's like just more of a knockoff of them than anything. But yeah, I mean, I, I, as much as I, I have felt like I was Mike, Joel or Jonah being forced into experiments to watch these movies, specifically these American 50s movies, I think it is important, even though I wouldn't consider almost any of them kaiju films. They, mm-hmm. We do we do we have noted that a lot of them do carry some elements that will be present in kaiju films in the next decade and, and yeah. decades down the line. And it's important to note that some of these breadcrumbs were there despite how much fun i don't often hand have with this brand of american science fiction and i like a lot of american science fiction from the 50s but the for whatever reason and i think what bugs me about these movies (laughs) is the lack of personality and i've mentioned this i think in prior episodes but there is a distinct lack of of personality in a lot of these monsters and a lot of these monster movies that it's one thing to like have a formula and stick to it. It's another thing entirely to just kind of have a a picture drawn and you color in the lines. And that to me is what a lot of these American monster movies do is just oh, wait, they wait. kind of just press on <laughs> wait until we get to watch more Bert I Gordon movies it's just like a cookie cutter you and, know, and I get I get it I'm a, I'm a Herschel Gordon Lewis fan I'm a William Castle uh-huh. fan I I get that I really do 
But I, I do think, especially when when compared to other monster movies that that get made, not just the year this comes out, but down the line, where that's really what it boils down to to me is these these American monster movies are kind of faceless. Mm-hmm. Like the giant ants, the giant tarantulas, it's not, you know, a singular character. It's just a bunch of bugs. So it's it's one thing to have, you know, Ibra, Horror of the Deep, you know, mm-hmm. a giant crustacean. You know, it's not one of many crustaceans come just flooding the earth. It's a it's a character. Yeah, and, it's not it's not just a crab. <laughs> it's just not a either right. stop motion or live action <laughs> crab that they filmed. And and um, I think that that therein lies a lot of my issues. Like I don't even care that they have the same cookie cutter plot almost across the board in every single one of these movies. Well, yeah, then you should have just Absolutely love the giant claw where it was a very characterful, though ugly. Oh, no. Look, there's a limit to that. So I agree with what you're saying. Well, the only reason I I, I preface this because the last couple weeks in in this podcast have been a little rough for for us. I Um, I agree. I agree, especially with the beginning of the end. I kind of wish I'd drop that one off because of, of what I said. But also, yeah, the the movies that are using like live bugs and stuff and are just getting cheaper and cheaper, you know, knockoffs of knockoffs is one of the reasons I, I do want to announce that we are skipping, I believe, 50, 1957 as well. The spider versus or, or Earth versus the spider or just the spider, which is another Bird Eye Gordon film that on the, the cover, I've seen looks, that one. <laughs> it looks like an actual spider. I think I've seen it, too or parts of it, but it's just another tarantula. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm not tarantula was already a knockoff. I'm not watching. <laughs> fool, fool me once, Bert. <laughs> I mean, and I, to be fair, if you want to be a completionist, uh, we might talk about that in our, our 50s wrap up episode, but that's when we're skipping this one. I was going to skip, but then I realized how kind of different it was from the mold. We're, we're back to stop motion and, and we're going to talk about that. And we, there's some interesting things just like with, them is this a great movie is it a bad movie let's get into it yeah i i just want to preface that because if it seems like we've been a little down on some films it is kind of why we are in a a period where things are a little rough in terms of quality and hopefully within the next couple of weeks we will start getting some, some i don't see more quality films but we, we're Maybe. we're gonna get a little variation in terms of quality than, yeah. than we, we've had the last couple of weeks. So before we, we start getting into this, is there anything for what's in a title? I, I don't think there is for this one, is there? The Black Scorpion is the titular character in, in this, this movie, and that is why it was titled that. Just like The Deadly Mantis, there was a single one. In other countries, they don't really change up the title too much. Some of them jar- drop the the article, but across the globe, you know, it, it it almost everywhere has Scorpion. So sometimes you get these movies, and I think Deadly Mantis changed it into like a spider in Sweden or something. If they didn't have, maybe they don't have mantises there. But the I guess there's scorpions everywhere, or they have words for it everywhere, and that is that is indeed what it was titled. No, no interesting alternative titles. Like even in Japan, I think it was just called Black Scorpion. It opened October 11th, 1957, about 64 years ago when we are recording this in October, <laughs> and 
it went on to open in Japan, Mexico in 1958, and the UK and other parts of Europe in 1959. So it got around. It was, I believe, the A film on its release. I'm not sure what the B B movie was for it, but it was popular enough to, like I said, get released around the world in the the years after it came out part of i think it's (laughs) maybe one of the reasons i stayed away from it so long is its poster is very lackluster the the main poster has it's hideous it what looks like a a rotting baked potato with a snaggle tooth (laughs) and googly eyes i i have seen this poster Many, many times. And I have always been confused because it was put when I think it was maybe when I was researching classic movie posters at one point in time. And I always thought this was supposed to be some sort of metaphorical thing, like some of those avant-garde horror films that happen. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was a horror film. Just this is just a a (laughs) a wild poster. And and one of the main reasons that we we put this on our list of kaiju films is is mainly because this film is the brainchild of Willis O'Brien, who was the stop motion animator behind King Kong and Mighty Joe Young. Yeah, the art on the cover uh, of the the poster is is pretty rough. It's got I guess that's supposed to be Merrick Corday behind this beast, but it doesn't really show the scorpion. It just shows its face outlined in darkness, and I mean. If, if it looks have... like one of those Mad Bull toys from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it definitely. It has character there. It doesn't translate to the actual close-up model that they used for the Scorpion. So his face doesn't really translate in the movie, but it just it seems like I mean, you would depict an actual Scorpion, the tail, the claws, like all the elements in the poster. I don't know why they decide against that, but. I guess it's got it in the title, but it's one of the reasons I think I stayed away from this. If I saw that scrolling through a streaming service, I probably would not want to watch that poster. And and one of the reasons maybe I guess I thought this was like some of the other bug movies we were talking about before. They just throw a, a scorpion in a little miniature set or, you know, uh, transpose him through through a another uh, screen in front of actors like the beginning of the end and bingo bang you've got a movie but like you said that is not the case this is a a, a willis o'brien crafted film the stop motion effects primarily were done by i believe his like main assistant pete peterson and i mean they're they're pretty good i will say for the most part a lot of the big action sequences we'll, we'll talk about i think are what this movie kind of ran on some of its its legs. And, and you can run. really tell because I feel like everything else about this movie kind of it kind of falls flat. And it also kind of highlights everything that is both problematic and a problem of American monster movies since 1933. You have uh, your casual racism that that pops up a lot. <laughs> you have these these weird machismo characters who don't really have a lot of character other than being male protagonist. You have a monster who is actually pretty interesting in, in some respects, but it also kind of falls into a, a partially using the them kind of 
yeah plot line yeah and, and i mean and scenes like them uh, it then becomes more and more iconic the more people rip it off and i want to just go back and give that movie more points and take points away <laughs> in our, our re- reviews from others but uh, i mean this movie the, some of the technical aspects are better than them um yeah i i, the, I, the I mean, we'll, we'll save it for for later but i do think the technical aspects of this movie are are better than what we've been seeing. It's it's they're they're still limited. I mean, you can tell they had a much lower budget, and Peterson and O'Brien were working with a minuscule uh, com- in comparison to what they were doing with with King Kong. Oh, but you know, I, I will say they they were able to handle their budget pretty pretty well in comparison to the, some of the most recent movies we've been watching. I one thing I did enjoy about this movie was the setting and that, you know, yeah. that kind of leads us into talking about the historical context around the movie and it's just another thing i don't think i i, I guess i knew it took place in in mexico but indeed in kind of like central mountainous mexico and in my research i was like wow there's that many active volcanoes in the area and indeed i mean there's multiple ones palpa catapeti erupted last year from or or 2020 so maybe i think it was late 20 or early 2020 so maybe like a year and a half or so from from when you're hearing this and that's only about 55 miles away from mexico city 90 kilometers and when this movie was filmed paracutin volcano had erupted in 1943 and was active into the 50s so it was spewing smoke and stuff for almost 10 years uh, so so that's that's where we get the main setting our, our two main characters are geologists are they both geologists i i always forget i, I forget both what geologists i believe dr arturo ramos played by Carlos. yeah they're both geologists yeah what, what he dr arturo ramos is native is mexican right and our richard denning as dr hank scott is the american they have very very little charisma together even though they're joking like all the time there there is very little charisma in this movie entirely like i mean the thing is the script as words on a page would not be awful if it was one punched up a little bit but also delivered by people who seemed like they wanted to be there he is very much a square-jawed, blonde-haired 1950s actor. You, you've probably seen in a few things. Apparently, he was a radio co-star with Lucille Ball, Richard Denning, in My Favorite Husband, which was what kind of inspired or gave us I Love Lucy. But he was also in Creature from the Black Lagoon, Day the World Ended before this, Creature with the Atom Brain, which I'm not sure if that one... Did that come up on the podcast before? Oh, yeah, that, that was the double feature with It Came From Beneath the Sea. I was like, I've, mm-hmm. I remember talking about that one. <laughs> Mara Corday plays Teresa Alvarez in this film, who we, when did we last see her? She was in another <laughs> movie as well. The Giant Claw, of course. She was Sally. And I, I think she's fine in this one. Definitely better in the giant claw. Uh, I, but... I think out of all the actors in this film, she, she is kind of the standout. She's got some charisma she seems yeah. to at least be attempting to have some sort of relationship with the characters on there she's having fun she's clearly got a, a good 
uh, personality on screen uh, and a good sense of of life about her and she is the only interesting person on screen outside of the the one doctor because even though the gag is delivered so bad the there's this bit oh, where he yeah. the coffee break scene it it it, it still kills me because <laughs> the gag is funny enough despite the fact that the delivery was de- delivered so beyond deadpan it was so flat that uh, Doctor, just, I under I understand the uh, the forceps and the jar, but what's the tequila for? It's like, oh well, you see, it's uh, it's how, almost how time for uh, coffee coffee break. break? <laughs> very inappropriate joke. It, it was very very funny. It was delivered very very poorly. But like I said, the the script as written, <laughs> while it would have still been have been derivative, I think that it it there was a sense of of whimsy and fun on the page that just does did not come to life with this production and, and most yeah. of this crew because i i think that there are there's some salvageable stuff here and like i said uh corday does a great job like she's attempting to do something and everyone else acts like it they, feels like denning and everyone feel like they're better than what they're doing and it shows and as a mm-hmm. as a result to me well among other things the product greatly suffers because of it yeah they 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 feel like the actors and the characters are not taking the situation really seriously, you know. I, right, I, but, I, but I mean, because I guess, it's not a, it's not a comedy. This isn't evolution, you know. This yeah. isn't eight-legged freaks. This is billed as, you know, a, a new monster movie, and I, I don't think it. La- I think it lacks the self-awareness to be put into a comedic genre. So that or, that I, I can't, I can't allow it to be like, oh, well, you know we're poking fun at this, this, and this, because they're, they're not that they're, they're trying to have some personality, but no one on screen is, is giving it. it. I mean, it's one reason why the writing in these films is so important is because there, there are just no stakes almost at any point, like to, to, as a through thread in them, there is always this constant fear of, just them getting loose and taking over the entire planet doesn't really seem to be the case here. It's like, all right, well, I guess this scorpion can get loose and get on the a population center, but two thirds through the movie, the main characters just go out drinking and eating. You know, they go back to Mexico city and they, they're relaxing kind of similar thing happens. And it came from beneath the sea with, you know, them, kind of taking a break from from hunting the the monster and and going to to dinner i I will say definitely mary corday is is written with a little bit more agency she's like this Mm -hmm. large landowner in mexico as opposed to just random assistant scientists like she was in tarantula so i but they need to do more like one the 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 military on speed dial in this movie like as soon as they get the telephones up the telephones go down kind of because of the volcano in the beginning is is a little less interesting i kind of wish that that part of the movie still had just like the men from her land and they had set up like oh they have like a winch and a uh, a basket you know and and save the military for the the finale given her a little bit more to do maybe she's the one that's operating the winch but (laughs) at that point in the movie she's relegated to taking notes (laughs) via radio and also babysitting and that's a shame one of the things i love about them is you know the the main female protagonist the the scientist is down there 
you know, exploring the the ant colony at the same time. Anyway, I I still think the setting for this one is one of the most interesting things about it. Kind of though sets up this promise of them being cut off on their own because we see the volcano has taken down the the phone lines. And I thought we were going to get one of those tremors like stories where it's like, oh, well, you're off on your own. Help is still like a day or so away and you have to survive right. the night. Doesn't happen. <laughs> they get the, the phone lines back up and it's one of the first attacks in the movie is the the phone line repairmen are attacked by the scorpion. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to just dive in or? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do feel so we, we start seeing the scorpions early on. I, I did get a, a sense that this was going to be like them because I didn't realize there were multiple scorpions in the, the movie because of the title, <laughs> the single black scorpion, not, you know, attack of the scorpions or whatever, but it, it kind of, there are multiple scenes where there are several scorpions attacking, but it, it, this does have what them needed, which is like one singular larger ant like the queen ant for example what the main characters call the the grandpappy of them all i think they use that the, I mean, uh, it's the it, it's definitely a phrase that i've used before the, <laughs> the grandpappy of the scorpions but yeah the eponymous black scorpion that is kind of cannibalistic murders the other scorpions and does have a different design and it's the one that we see i think it's the only one that we see the close up of that kind of looks a little different from what a scorpion's face is it's more like yes. a ugly um, dog <laughs> yeah so I, I i generally think that the the work on the scorpion was pretty good uh, for 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 this lower budget for the even, face well no, no just in general i oh, so yeah. even the, even the face i think i like the fact that it looks a little more monstrous it's not just a one-to-one for a scorpion mm-hmm. that said it's a little silly and yeah. I, I, I think because in the context, because we're, we're going to be talking about other kaiju movies where the monster does look a little silly, but everything else is being treated with severity. So you can kind of look past it. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks when we do the Mysterians. But here, I again, it's, be, and it's, it's mostly because of how everything has been set up. I mean, even from the opening narration, it just seems a little jovial when the the narrator's talking about this destruction of of mexico and the plight of its people and oh you know they've been praying for days and it's it's another thing that i like though this movie there's no credits at the top it just starts with a volcano exploding on the screen yeah you know i i like that conceptually but the way it's (laughs) executed is just it's it's not great and you know we've already harped on the acting the the one the one thing that took me out immediately is when they're talking to, I think, a policeman or a guard and, and you know, the one of the doctors asked, you know, was the town hurt badly? And the guard goes, who knows? And and it's not even delivered with that little of <laughs> or that, that much <laughs> uh, emphasis. It's, it's literally they they've got a person who has not delivered these lines before and just got it mm-hmm. in, in one take. And it, it, it takes you out of the movie a little bit, as does. When they shoot at night, they, I guess, didn't acquire enough lights for the shoot. And there are some scenes that are just very, very dark, which in a black and white movie can be extremely distracting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, th- there are some great sets, 
and great set design, which I, I do want to get into. It's, I mean, the technical aspects, like I said, are really my favorite part of this film. But there, there are elements that you'll see in this film if you watch it that aren't great. <laughs> I, I think the the main thrust uh, of this film is, is certainly the stop motion work Pete Peterson put in, Willis O'Brien kind of I guess originated. But yeah, I, I think if if we get into the production history of that side of it, like they're I mean probably less than 20 minutes of the movie it's where a lot of the the interest in this film lies and probably the production side note that is the most often quoted online like one of the biggest pieces of trivia is also very disputed and we're going to go over it and that's the trapdoor spider when they go into the cave sequence of the movie (laughs) do you know what i'm talking about with the yes so there is to set up the scene in this film, the, the heroes, the, the plucky young kid that stows away, go into this basket are lowered by crane into the underground realm where these giant scorpions and other giant creatures live. And the trivia is that this weird looking sp- it feels like the spider has six legs, <laughs> but it's like a trapdoor spider it is supposedly recycled armatures or stop motion models from the lost spider pit sequence from the original King Kong. So 34 years, no, 24 years earlier, 33 to 57. I can do math (laughs) 24 years before that. Supposedly this is disputed in Ray Harryhausen's biography that said all the King Kong props were rotting in an RKO vault in the 50s still at this point. But if it wasn't actually in the film, I don't know if they would have access to it. Like, would that still be in Willis O'Brien's kind of uh, personal collection? Some say it was that horn worm, not the the spider mm. that the armature was from. Maybe it was like another King Kong piece that was created, but never into made it into the final film Uh, there's a lot of interest in this this single piece of trivia because the cut spider's pit sequence was so famed for being very extreme and of course was actually recreated in the peter jackson king kong and is one of the most disturbing parts of that movie by Mm. far (laughs) uh yeah no it is and it's also i mean i would say i mean a lot, a lot of attention has been paid to this piece of trivia, mostly because it's the most interesting thing about this movie. I, I will say the sequences with the the scorpions are pretty extreme for these kind of movies. You don't see them, you know, They're good pinching anyone to death, which is like, well, that's like one of their main things. But you see them pulling, ragdolling out these uh, stop motion humans from the guys that were repairing the telephone pole lines and the train sequence we'll talk about and kind of showing them off screen, like plunging their, their stingers into them. I, I feel like that's really pretty extreme for 1957. You know? Yeah. I mean, like I said, the, the scorpion scenes are probably the, the, the best part I mean, uh, and, and they're the best looking. I mean, the scorpions certainly look better than, the superimposed bugs that we've seen, and they they definitely look better than the the 
awful high school production bird that we saw. <laughs> I, I will agree. I, that- I, I, will, I will say that the stop motion work is pretty good. Despite the low budget, the, the Scorpion does look good. It is the most interesting thing about this movie. And mm-hmm. if you're, your marquee thing is the black scorpion and the black scorpion should be the most interesting thing about the movie. The, yeah. What, what, what is a problem for me is that while the, the scorpion is interesting, everything else around it really isn't like, I don't really care about the characters and as, as good as Corday is. And, ha- and honestly, how interesting Teresa Alvarez is in her plight. If they had centered the movie around her, Mm, and, yeah. and 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 done that i think you could have could have made a much more interesting picture but a lot wow. of it seems to run the same the same lines as a lot of the the american monster movies that come before it except that it just seems like nobody cares except for mara corday it doesn't really seem like there's any reason why there's two male leads <laughs> at all except well, they that, both go down into the the pit and and of course there is some some shoehorned quote unquote romance where once more the male lead just assumes he can come in for a kiss and with the response you know maybe I just want to see what you do you did all right <laughs> and I'm like what a, uh, the the words I want to say are not for a PG podcast well it's it's <laughs> it's super cheesy and it's not earned because they don't it's really at all uh, all you need is like. Uh, a scene or two of them during the the first time the black scorpion attacks her farm, for example, and just like something happening. They had like a flirtatious moment in her house earlier, but yeah, they're just like it comes out of nowhere. I mean, it's it's really weird. Like, <laughs> I'll yeah. send praise to the 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 giant claw because at, at the very least in that film, there's actually kind of some dialogue and chemistry, even though. There is also a weird <laughs> unwarranted yeah. kiss in that film, but there's yeah. like actual, you can actually feel it. It's so weird. It's one of the most ineffable things in movies, but people have real guttural reactions when the two love interest leads, whether they be men, women or whatever, don't have that, that chemistry. And it's, it's so important to the writing of a movie to, to keep it going forward and not come to a screeching oh. halt and scenes like that. That and you have like, I mentioned the casual racism and there is a scene where they're going through a destroyed home. Mm -hmm. And at first they think that there is a rattlesnake because they hear what sounds like someone shaking dice and they they eventually find a baby Mm -hmm. and the baby is very well behaved. And the way he comments on how the baby isn't making a fuss. You know, if I have one of my own, I'll feed him beans and tortillas, too. Maybe I'll get some sleep at night. I mean, okay. (laughs) And I'm like, well, first of all, it's a baby. So (laughs) it's not eating beans and tortillas. At all. <laughs> Second of all, <laughs> you can you can mash up beans and have like a you, sure you can bean but food. I mean it's, but it's probably not on a tortilla. Super super racist. Oh, and yeah. yeah, I mean there's there's a couple of things like that in this movie, but there's also I mean it, it's a great setting, but they don't really utilize it super well. They have like no, the, you, you mentioned the volcanoes, and that's such a cool thing to focus on. And, and I think 
it looks just, great. They look great yeah. in the distance. I really thought we were going to see like lava some in cool the underground stuff. caverns or something. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Because they were literally like really in like a caldera that was adjacent to the I forget the name of the volcano if they said it in this movie. So I, I thought when they were going underground, they would have when this huge hole opens up <laughs> some lava or at least heat down there, something. Oh. No, it, I mean, it, it, it almost seems cold because there's not anything like that. So they get down there. I want to talk more about this bloodthirsty black scorpion. I do like in the close-ups, it's like drool, drooling as it's cut, try, trying to get the main characters. There is definitely a goofiness to his eyes, but it it is which is fine. I, eyes are a problem for kaiju movies for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. This, in addition to that, is one of the you know first movies outside of of King Kong or Godzilla raids again, where we see some giant monster battles. In the, the underground caverns, the black scorpion, it's going up against other scorpions. We see that's how like they learn about the scorpion's weakness, which is an interesting actual plot element that, you know, kind of like moves things along. He, he attacks and kills the hornworm. So we, we get to see some like cool, actual stop motion combat sequences, which look fine. They look great. This is also one of the first films in kaiju canon where we have an annoying kid sidekick in the form of juanito played by mario navarro who none of the white people can seem to quite get his name right juanito right (laughs) yeah yeah but but uh one of the guys keeps like keeps replacing a vowel or something and juanito at one point calls him juanita and (laughs) I, I, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, did they not just do a take? Like, not do a second take at all? <laughs> no. I mean, have, you, have you heard of these movies there? Right, right, right. Um, I actually did budget. not. Juanito did not bother me whatsoever. Um, no. I, I mean, it's a mainstay was, of the Gamera movies we're going to see in the 60s. Of oh. Having a. I, I mean, uh, he's a friend to all children. Of, a, of course, it's a mainstay. <laughs> the black, black scorpion, not a friend to all children. But he, he just. It it's so stupid. He hides out in like the back of their car to to get to the the entrance of the cave, and then hides out in the basket again. It's like keep a track of this kid. Well, He's already and, proven he can hide in places. Oh, and they just do it once. I don't understand. Well, the, my thing is like if they wanted that to have uh, any weight. I mean, and again, we will see this in in kaiju cinema down the line. Where the, the, the film will actually follow the kid a little bit more because otherwise mm-hmm. just having him there doesn't do anything. Yeah. You're, you're he, not making that effort. <laughs> well, and it doesn't even make it that much. I mean, I guess they do shoot the trapdoor spider to save him. They don't really add a lot of tension with him being down there besides, oh, let's go save him. All right, we saved him. And then the the basket just gets destroyed in that scene and he has to like carry him up. But yeah. It, a lot of other tropes very similar to other kaiju films besides i mean this like i said is one of the first like little kids in these movies that that we see which is interesting enough but this movie like almost all <laughs> every single kaiju movie ever it has scientists main characters we've got a military force that is kind of powerless to stop the monster i like how the the black scorpion is i mean he uh, they can tank 
tank shots. <laughs> you know, they can t- can take those. And we we get a, a scene, one of my favorite tropes in these movies, of a, a closed curtain meeting with slideshow presentations uh, where they tried to develop a plan to, to kill the monster. Mm-hmm. Another one that should be, I, I think, mandatory for every kaiju movie. It's like, how are we going to take them on? Let's let's sit at a conference table at a a hotel lobby, you know, and pull the shades drawn and put the coffee on. We'll, we'll figure this out. It's like, oh, well, they have a weak spot in their throat. Oh, we'll just shoot it. there. <laughs> yeah, I mean... That was that was another thing about about the film is like, all right, so the the bearing the problem wasn't going to work. And and here is where the the special effects take a drastic drop, because when once the scorpion gets into the city, it just looks like a black blob. Yeah. So they show there are scenes of it where they have it superimposed on other scenes in which case it is like a shadow they don't actually have just like like tarantula yeah i was about to say like like tarantula i think they actually do that in the bird eye gordon the spider movie as well but it's it's a right or maybe they do it in no they don't do it in the amazing colossal man but yeah it's a really cheap bad looking effect which is like it it's, it it, def- I, it it entirely deflates the conclusion of this movie. Well, that those scenes especially they look bad because the stop motion looks so good, and it's like I don't. I mean, all you have to do is have reaction shots. It's like of someone like watching, you know, panning his head as you maybe put in a sound effect, a stolen sound effect from them. I think the the sound that the scorpions made was literally just stolen the ant sound effect from them, maybe pitched up and, and put a little, a little stank on, <laughs> you know, a little stank yeah, on the, I, the chirp. I just, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my feelings about this movie are, are becoming very, very apparent. The more we talk about what? it, I just, I just get madder and madder. <laughs> Do you have a, a favorite, a standout scene? No, <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess, I think I have the same one that you do because I think the one thing that is done very, very well to affect is that train scene. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty darn good. It's it's fairly brutal. the The actual derailing of the train is not great, but once they've set that up and there's all these scorpions like going after people, cut in with people running away from the train, and you know, you can just imagine them getting eaten alive and, and stabbed to death by these scorpions. It's pretty rough, pretty, pretty brutal. And then the actual main black scorpion, the, the grandpappy comes in and, and starts killing scorpions. <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is pretty intense. I will say I, the, the reason I put this back on the list is the final scene in the, the movie, the, where they lure it into the, the stadium and have the military distracting it while they're they're setting up their kill of a like a tethered harpoon that is electrified and of course the, the military operator that's on the gun gets electrified himself and the main characters have to reload and shoot it that that looked really good that's i think they spent a lot of time on that scene the black scorpion taking down a helicopter and like flipping tanks it's Pretty cool stuff. That's one of the things I think if you went and saw this movie, worth the price of admission. It's really short, but it 
it's really short, but it feels it's good. Long. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, for for for, the, for this week, let's just say that there was a a a certain two and a half hour epic movie that came out this week, and there was an eighty eight <laughs> movie I watched for this podcast, and one mm. of them felt very very long, and it wasn't the two and a half hour movie. This one came in at an hour and twenty seven. Yeah, it's, it's a brisk like eighty seven, eighty eight minutes. It should have felt very breezy, and it doesn't. And it, and it's and it's because of all the elements that I've talked about prior. It's it's because of a lot of the actors not feeling like they want to be there. That can drag out scenes, or at least make some of these pauses feel very very long. You also have a real lack of of characters and character focus. You also have a lot of elements that just kind of run together, mm-hmm. and it just sort of plods along for me. Whereas you do have. You know, one really, really good saving grace in in Mara Corday, and you have some pretty good stop motion effects. I mean, the, I, I, the Scorpion does objectively look good, especially for the budget. Yeah. That said, like those two things don't don't carry this film. I, I should mention for I me, think, I think the Black Scorpion works really well in stop motion because unlike King Kong or my joe young there's not like hair on it and they kind of i mean scorpions in real life kind of move janky i mean they're yeah they're like all these weird alien bugs you know? yeah i i had to get rid of a scorpion out of the house like the other day so i I, I get it oh no thank you <laughs> we, we, we just get these little, really really tiny ones in south carolina they're not that big of a deal but uh right. my my girlfriend is absolutely horrified by them so i usually have to keep a a sharp eye for them <laughs> So going on to what didn't work in this film, there's another sequence that we've seen now, I think three times ripped completely off of them, where the two male leads find a destroyed building in the dark where they found the child and they see the monster destruction. And, you know, that that buildup works in these movies. It is pretty lazy here that I mean. Not that Toho reinvents the wheel every single time with like monster destruction similarly, but this is just completely copy and pasted. We see, you know, the building is like half destroyed. There's like half of a car, the police car, which in that scene with the destroyed cop car, uh, despite very much being in Mexico, when they when they get the the police station on the line, it is a an LA radio accent and it's the same actor as the narrator in the beginning of the film and the radio broadcaster, like halfway through the movie. And he talks just like this veteran voice actor, Bob Johnson. Yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't talk like that, but he's like, hello, this is, this is radio dispatch here in Mexico city. How can I help you? But you might know him as the, the sound the voice on the tapes in the Mission Impossible TV series. And it, it's funny that all the those were obviously done after the the film finished uh, filming. Like, I don't think they had someone live doing the, the radio sound. So I think they just got one guy to do all three parts very quickly. Hmm. Critics at the time, I think this movie, you know, like I said, made enough to continue on. And to get that international distribution, I don't think it was a huge success for the for the company. Yeah, most of the critics, they they did praise the special effects despite its budget, but basically thought everything else was 
strictly standard, as the New York Times said, with forgettable human plot elements. And and that that is what it is. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, if you if you're going just to see, you know, as as all of us who would be tuning into this podcast would be for, for the monster, you're not going to be horribly disappointed for some pretty decent scenes. But that is all you get It is it's it's just I. I I'm kind of with the the reception at the time where it's it's yeah, the special effects at times look pretty decent, but everything else is unexceptional. Yeah, I mean, this is this if is not, not some <laughs> rinky dink side studio. This is Warner Brothers putting this out. So I, I think yeah. people can't expect a great deal from them. Currently, if you if you look this up on Rotten Tomatoes, modern reviewers enjoy this movie a little bit more the audience review the audience score has thousands of people that have you know fallen into this movie maybe they didn't know what they were expecting i think maybe confused by that poster we talked about it has a 32 percent so not not a lot of love out there for it and that kind of goes into the legacy for this film not a lot of sequel or i feel like a lot of these movies if if they don't get remakes, reboots, if they're in the cultural zeitgeist, they at least, you know, they show up in other films or they're referenced in other films. Elements of them are taken out. Them, that happens a lot, even though I feel like that movie is mostly forgotten, but not not a lot for the Black Scorpion. No, and I think now we should get to the, the part of the show where we rate this movie both patrick and i and myself use a scale of one to ten to individually look at the personal enjoyment technical and aesthetic elements and the emotional and evocative responses that this generates as a piece of art when we then combine those scores to get one number and that will be our personal rating for the film the official podcast rating so i'm going to start off with with my personal enjoyment of this film because Ironically, I I line up with the audience score of the, of that tomato meter. I gave this, and, and, and it started off higher. And the more I talked about this movie, the angrier I, I got. I know so, I can tell, and I it's one of the things that we we can change our scores as we're talking about it because it, it, <laughs> it, it, it just it, happens. It has dropped a lot. It is now a three out of ten. <laughs> You're um, going with the crowd. I I absolutely am, and again, I I do think that the the actual scorpion for the most part and through a good chunk of this film looks really solid however i do i cannot in good conscience recommend this movie like i would recommend them like mm. if someone asked me if this is a good movie i'm going to laugh <laughs> no not even a little bit it's for me it's not even fun in in, in its ineptitude and mm. as someone who appreciates b and and sci-fi pictures of that type most of those films are not awful a lot of times they just suffer from production or budget or maybe they just couldn't get the right you know cast or director but this i i just think falls apart at the seams outside of having a decent looking scorpion so what i would recommend someone doing is just youtubing the clips of the scorpion to see what was going on in 1957 with some decent stop motion animation. I mean, that, that's what convinced me to to put this on our list to watch this movie. And it, like I said, it's less than 20 minutes of the film, all the yeah. underground scenes, the battles. Well, so no, not only am I mad at this movie now, I'm mad at you. 
<laughs> well, uh, so you, you give, give me your personal ratings. I feel like you went a little bit higher than I did. You you have been much more seemingly kinder in tone to this movie than I have, who just I just keep getting angrier and angrier the more I talk about this movie. Yeah, I'm I'm marking it down a bit from what I originally had it at. I I thought this was very watchable. It's not great in any sense of the word. I feel like the effects, like I, I said, mostly carry it. I, I wasn't bored. Um, and it's, it's one of those things. It's like, I wish I could take the effects from this movie and put them in them and take the, the writing and the acting of them and, and put it in this movie. Just like, I mean, both movies are very much carbon copies <laughs> I guess of one another. We don't see the monster until like the 30 minute mark. It's kind of a, a little bit of a drag until then, but I, f- I feel like this one does take off and we have a lot of different stuff going on that kind of propels it forward. And, and, and it carried me that last hour of the, the movie. And yeah, for, for that, I'm giving it personally a six good, not great for, for sure. The score I gave it. Yeah. I was about to say a double, <laughs> a doubling. But like I said, I, 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 I mean, we, we got very similar kind of setups in beginning of the end in Tarantula. And this one just worked a little bit better than, than those films on the technical aspect. I'm giving it a little bit better, lots of room for improvement, but I mean, oh, we didn't even talk about had a really good uh, soundtrack as well. Paul Sawtell combined you know a lot of low-pitched horns the the action scenes were definitely elevated by that some good props in the movie some some like i said great sets and the stop motion was pretty pretty darn good i gave this technically a seven seven out of ten so i like i've said i i i liked the stop motion creature a lot i thought the mm-hmm. setting was very cool and while the Everything else technical about the movie was was not so great. Soundtrack's not bad. The score is pretty decent in in yeah. parts. But I, I I I will say the the work that was done with the stop motion scorpion at for for most of the film was exceptional and is the standout of this movie. So mm-hmm. I'm also I'm giving this a six. I thought it was really really solid. With a better movie, this would have been this could have been a, a kind of a a diamond in the rough. And if someone had had taken the scorpion elements and like, like you said, kind of put it in a better movie, you know, or take, you know, that stop motion stuff and put it in them. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I think it can't it can't be stressed enough that that, yes, the scorpions look really, really great. It, it's too bad that the rest of the movie uh, falls with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's just so much of the technical aspect that really carried my enjoyment for the film. And part of that is. I, don't know, I guess if I watched this in a vacuum and not with a whole bunch of other kaiju movies before and, and now after it, <laughs> I, I might not enjoy the technical aspect so much, but it, it's better than and then ones that have come before and ones that we're going to see after. So as far as its leg is concerned and, and it's kind of emotional aesthetic, it's value to kaiju Asia, the canon. It's not as a work of art that in important i feel like because we do have some connections with king kong you know 24 years later parts of that are interesting and i think if you're you know a fan of stop motion definitely one to check out it has a lot of kaiju dna in it but it, it falls 
it falls short of a lot of benchmarks. Like you said, the character of the monster. I, I just wanted to see a little bit more. It is very imposing. They just don't really give it that much to do. Like it would be nice if the black scorpion like saved the main characters from another one of the the scorpions, but then like turned on them immediately or, or something like that. It just doesn't happen. For, for that reason, another kind of middling score from me at a five out of ten. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think this this film has much of a cultural impact outside of following the career of O'Brien Peterson from from King Kong and Maya Young. That there is some appeal there. I. Again, yeah, these these scorpions, while impressive, they don't have any character. They're they're not even as interesting as the the Kamakuras that we'll see in the Godzilla franchise later, or that we saw in the in in Rodan. They're they're scorpions. They're they, they yeah they don't do a lot. And th- yeah, this movie is largely forgotten outside of of genre fans. And honestly, mm. that that's kind of where it should be. It's it's one of those for completionist only films. It's not the worst thing you're going to see, but it's it's certainly not worth spending a lot of time seeking out. I uh, so I gave it a four. I didn't hate my time with it. It, it does sound like you hated most of the time with it. And right there yeah, in the middle yeah, yeah. is our our episode standing, which is definitely not. The worst, definitely not the best. And our scores of a six and is yours a four? Your it's a four. Score? Yeah, that, that averages out to a five, which makes a lot of sense. And in the annals of some of the, like the other films that we haven't enjoyed, we've given a, a good many podcast fours. Our other five. Well, we've had two other fives. One was Tarantula and another was Son of Kong. That that tracks. I kind of wish I'd gone a little bit lower on Tarantula, but I was hearing that makes you wish I went higher on Son of Kong. Jeez. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I actively, and I, I hate no. sounding like the negative Nancy. No, you're um, right about Son of but, Kong, but I, I actively disliked this movie. Yeah. And it's a bummer. Cause I, I never approach a film like wanting to like it. And I don't want people to think that we're going to be going through all these movies to make fun of them because we are not. I'm, I, I don't think we didn't made, like this movie. We didn't make fun of this one at all. I mean, if oh, I we, did, we, I absolutely did. <laughs> we heaped a lot of praise on it, but it is one of those things that there's just so many other films in the fifties that take the tropes and the ideas of Kaiju movies and run with them. I'm going to be comparing movies to them for a, for a while until we get some, some better uh, you know, more exciting science fiction ideas in the sixties, you know, that, that one will, will hold up with 54's Godzilla. What a, what a year for <laughs> Kaiju films, 1954. But yeah, that, that makes our final score a five out of 10. And that's going to do it for, for this week's episode. What wasn't too bad. Right, Miles? Mm. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't... I, I think what I also need to stop doing is I will often watch uh, several episodes for this podcast in a kind of uh, binge group. <laughs> yeah. And and when, especially when one movie in that group completely outshines others, uh, that can affect the viewing. But yeah. uh, with this one, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm pretty steadfast in how I feel about The Black Scorpion. I will, I will likely be kinder to some other movies that people will be kind of surprised by. Mm. Um possibly next week uh <laughs> well it's, it's just one of those things it's a personal enjoyment thing that's part of our review but digging into the history of it and just like there there wasn't 
this wasn't that Not interesting of, of a movie to get into, which is, I mean, what the main thing we're doing this podcast for. But if you know more about the Black Scorpion that we don't, if you if you're a huge Mara Corday fan, this might be her last entry in these these films, but we've seen her three times. Let us know on Twitter at Kaiju vs. History. Give us a rating on iTunes if you've enjoyed listening to this movie that probably very few people have thought about in like the last 30 or 40 years email us at kaiju history at gmail.com and go on to our website to to listen to more episodes at kaiju history.com and get ready for for next week as we we come back all right so that's going to do it for for us this week thank you miles and and listeners and what, what's coming you should up? thank me. You should thank me for suffering through this movie. What's, what's coming up next week, Miles? <laughs> All right. So we will catch everyone next week when the atomic age goes nuclear and caught in the blast is a man who doesn't turn into the Incredible Hulk. That's right. Tune in next time for History versus the Amazing Colossal Man. Yeah.